I see you with the shirt on. LL Nation, what's goody? For the Culture Friday, as always, Lucky Lefty Podcast. I'm Sean Davis at SD2 Mics, my main guy, the original Lucky Lefty himself, Malik Zaire. We are featuring and brought to you, as always, by Anora Whiskey. Go to AnoraWhiskey.com. It's that premium American whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. You can find it around the Notre Dame campus. Or get online or whatever, whichever way you want it, baby. So today we want to talk about how explosive can the Notre Dame offense be in 2022? You know, the entire week we covered running backs, wide receivers. We talked about the quarterbacks and the impact of Harry Heath standing the offensive line. How explosive can a Notre Dame offense be? Also, we want you to go to our poll question on the YouTube channel for the Culture Friday, January 1st. Oh, January 21st, it's a special day, right? 1978, Saturday Night Fever for the BGs win number one, 85. Mm-hmm. Uh, Run DMC, King of Rock, drop. And, and Run DMC was, they really were the first hip hop rock stars that we're going to keep it yeah. up. You know, and they was the first to be with Adidas, right? Or something right, like right. So you see guys like Tyler the Creator and all the young cats that are doing that young thug now 85 king of rock run dmc became those guys and then today is a happy birthday to one of okay. the best female mcs in hip-hop history happy birthday to rhapsody on Ra- oh yeah underrated yeah underrated oh. rhapsody, all her albums are great mm-hmm. i love rhapsody albums you know, gotta check it out I mean, she puts out playthroughs. Like, you know, I don't know too many female artists that got played through albums and she's telling stories through it. Yeah. Man, really? Oh, man, I'm surprised you knew about that one. Oh, come on, man. Don't disrespect me like that. <laughs> don't do that. So I poll for the culture. Go over to the YouTube channel. Who is the greatest female MC? Who is the greatest female MC? We got some great options. Latifah, Foxy, Kim, Rhapsody uh mc light so go over there and vote right now yeah jj fad you go all the way back we do have the other option as well if you feel like somebody that's else. that roller coaster love that roller coaster love yeah 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 she got them cuts man so before we get into the breakdown man how with everything that we know and we don't know concerning the notre dame offense how explosive do you think they can be in 2022 well, you know, in this case, it definitely depends on the quarterback. I look at it as if Tyler Buckner's not throwing over 3,000 yards next season, mm. it's just going to be real tough to find where that explosiveness is going to come from and on the scoreboard. I think yeah. we'll be able to get a bunch of yards. But in terms of, in my mind, being explosive has to come with scoring points. And putting a lot of points up on the on the scoreboard in a game, that's explosive to me. So if Tyler Buckner's not throwing over three thousand yards in this season coming up, mm-hmm. it's just gonna be tough. I mean, we made it to the playoffs with a, with Ian throwing under two thousand. So it was just interesting to see um where that where that growth can come from Tyler Buckner because you're going from a guy who had hurt hamstrings to asking him to beat Ohio State the next season. Right. 
and throwing the ball at a high clip. So it's gonna, I'm sure it's going to be struggles early, but Tommy's got to find a way to get him over that mark if he wants to see us scoring in that 40 range that you were saying. I was thinking more, you know, 30, 35, but you were shooting for 40, uh, you know, on average. So that takes a lot of passing yards to do it in this day and age. I think the running backs will come along if that's the case as well, because that means it'll open up the run and we can see who pops out of that running back as the lead guy. So can I throw some numbers at you? Yeah. Some very interesting numbers when we talk about explosiveness, all right? Because we're about to dig into this. Alabama in 2020, of course, that was historically, historically great offense for Alabama. With Mac Jones at the helm. 48 and a half points per game. They dropped all the way down to 39.3. And that's with a Heisman winning quarterback and two first round receivers. So that just shows you the disparity that I would think Najee Harris in the running game was a little bit more efficient and more explosive than Brian Robinson and the, the offensive troubles they had on the offensive line this year. Georgia went from 32 points in 2020 to 37. So they bumped it up five points per game. The only thing they really did was added an explosive tight end and Brock Bowers. The number they one tight end. They didn't have pickings, and their wide receivers won't really take the top off defense. But what they did have were three versatile running backs that they not only used in a power running game, but also in the passing game. So you have to get Todd Munchkin some credit for how he was able to create more opportunities for explosive offense. And we saw that late in the fourth quarter, you know, when they got down after the fumble by Stetson Bennett, they went power game. And then once they got the midfield, they went explosive big plays to either get touchdowns or pass interference. Now, Notre Dame, 2020, averaged 33.4 points. That's not going to get it. We talked about this the other day. You have to get at least to – I'm comfortable if they would get to at least 37, 38. Now, now we're sitting at the table. 2021, 35.2. I'm not comfortable with that. I'm just not comfortable. That's not explosive enough. We can even talk about Cincinnati. Cincinnati pretty much sat at 35 in 2020 and only bumped up to 36.5 in 2021. Basically, they just beat Notre Dame. That's what Cincinnati did. They played the same schedule, beat the same teams, walked into South Bend, beat Notre Dame, and that was their entire resume to go on to the college football. That's all they needed. That's all they needed. That's all they needed. They had been knocking at the door and whining and complaining for like two years about let us in as a non-power five. Now, explosive offense comes in the first half. This is what we have to talk about. The best teams explode in the first half, which goes to team, to uh, scheme, preparation, coaching, and players. Alabama has averaged 25 points per first half over the last two years. 25, fam. 25. Ohio State leads the nation 28 points per game in the first half over the last two years. Georgia, 
22 points per game in the first half. You want to know Notre Dame? 18 and 19 points per game in the first Not half. Good enough. Not good enough. Because Not it gets worse. All three teams that I talked about, Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, they all average less points in the second half. That's the common thread. Teams make adjustments, or either those teams get out to big leads and take their foot off the gas. So what does that mean? Great teams start off fast offensively and then finish you with the power running game in the second half. That is great teams unless you just have a historically great team like Alabama did in 2020, where they can just run you over for four quarters because their talent is that good. Teams jump out and explosive plays come in the first half more than they come in the second half. That is something that needs to change with Notre Dame. They have to get up above 20 points in the first half per game, preferably 23-24 to really become an explosive offense. Yeah, and, it, and the numbers give a clear depiction of how close we are to being where we want to be, and the things that it's going to take to get there are very uh, small, but they're important pieces, like saying the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Is Tyler Buckner three or four points difference? That's, how, that's what we're talking. We're not saying that Tyler is – far away in a five and five quarterback, whatever the case is, we're saying is he two or three points different that can make us in contention with those teams that we're right there with. And even though we're right there with them in margin, the talent gap is still there as well, which is what we're aiding through recruiting. I think Marcus Freeman has gotten to the core issues of what needs to be fixed first priority wise and getting the recruiting right. And that'll translate into that bump in points. But it does come down to how Tyler and Tommy Reese work together on figuring out that difference. Where is that? Is the difference in throwing the ball more, which in my opinion is for Tyler to be over 3,000 yards. That's going to get you those two or three point differences. So how many points is proper usage of Michael Mayer work? See, that's another question. In the offense we were running this year, it was just it was too non-specific. Michael Mayer did great in the offense, but you couldn't say that the offense was Michael Mayer or bust because we relied on a little bit of everybody. So yeah. I think the, the system is going to give a lot of people opportunities, which give the recruiting side even more benefit because you're going to at least touch it on the reverse or – get a little screen or a run or something. So Tommy's is going to spread the love. However, when you have a player like Michael Mayer, Georgia makes no mistake about it. They won the championship, and you knew who the guy they was throwing to. Yeah, I, was <laughs> so, I was confused at the lack of attention <laughs> they gave him, you know, or targets they gave him in the championship game. And he still had two touchdowns, right? He, he had one or he had two. I know he had, he had the clinching touchdown. Yeah, he had the, the screen touchdown. That was nice. Or the little yeah. slip touchdown. That was nice. But you know who the guy is on their offense. We assume Michael Mayer is a guy because he's the most talented. However, yeah. we wasn't. he wasn't a threat like how Georgia was using his guy. Yeah. 
So I think that in the in the case where receivers are looking at our school, it's like, are you a Patty Mills? Because that's more of what we like outside of you being a a superstar impact player, you know. So for us, I think it's important that Tommy gets the identity down packed so we can fine-tune the offense to, all right, we just need a big play receiver, you know. Yo, I've seen a lot of chatter since the championship game of people buying into, and look, that's fine. But people really buying into, man, championship game proved that if everything goes right, you can win a national championship without an elite quarterback. And I'm like, okay, you have evidence of that, but why do you want to be that? as a program that's my question i would much rather be and this sounds crazy going into that fourth quarter i would much rather be bryce young and bama than kirby smart and stetson bennett yeah i told i told us i told everybody that before the game i said the game is going to come down to bryce young versus that defense on the last possession that's what i said yeah because that's that's the the long-term way of getting it done. And that's Bryce Young without his two first round two first round. And, that's not, and, that, and you know, even with all what Alabama was going through, it still came down to the quarterback. Still so came down to the quarterback. So that's why I would fast, much rather be, yeah, go ahead, bro. I'm sorry. Yeah, when you fast food the process, everything's gotta be perfect. Yeah. I mean, the whole Georgia defense was pretty much intact. Stetson Benson didn't lose it for you. You're so disrespectful, man. <laughs> Stop calling I mean, that a butler, man. Quarterbacks like that are guys that just don't have to lose it for you. He's not the reason why they won, is he? Absolutely not. No. Absolutely not. Because you couldn't put you couldn't put Stetson Bennett on, on Bryce Young's team and come out with a victory. If you swap quarterbacks, Stetson Benson would, would not get the job done in Alabama. So, so disrespectful. It's true. First of all, Nick Saban not even recruiting a Stetson Benson or Bennett or whatever it is. You said Benson on purpose, dude. I know what you're trying to do. Go ahead. <laughs> but that's Notre Dame fans. We don't want to be like that with Georgia because right. that relies too much on us spending a bunch of money getting a bunch of high-quality talent. We can live in the world of getting a great quarterback, and that raises the level of everybody around them. But Georgia bought the bought the raise level. <laughs> well, they the didn't buy a fish for the tank. They bought the tank. Yeah. Yeah. The elite quarterback closes the gap quicker. It's a whole yeah. lot easier to get that elite quarterback than it is to go and get 25 stars. It's a whole lot easier. And then it's better for the program because you can develop in. You can get a face of the program. You can get some consistency and identity. When you fast food the process, that's a lot of moving parts. You know, Georgia probably had a lot to deal with keeping it intact with as many superstar personalities that they had. I mean, think about the transfers they had right after the season. Right. So we want to worry about retention. We don't see too many guys leaving Notre Dame. Well, we had three or four this year. KJ Wallace just jumped in on yesterday. Uh, uh, Kyrie G. 
the, both of those guys are safeties. That red writing on the wall with the young guys on the back end. And Brandon Jones. guys in with the transfer. Yeah, exactly. So, and that's just, that's a natural football process. I wouldn't say it was because they didn't like the coach or whatever. It's kind of, they got to do what's best for them. But finding an elite quarterback, especially at Notre Dame, especially what Tommy has been wanting to do in that offense. Yeah. I think it solves a lot of answers for the points. I think it solves a lot of answers for consistency. I think we'll see a more highlighted uh, use of our talent and putting them in opportunities and space when defense has got to worry about the quarterback. That frees up so much more, especially when you have talented guys around you. That's where you get the Oregon offense with Marcus Mariota or the C.J. Stroud offense with, you know, any guy that's showing up in New York. Their offenses are pretty dynamic with those players. Three guys that are the biggest key to this offense taking the next step up and getting up to about 37, 38 points per game. Styles. Okay. Bugner. And 35 points a game. Styles Bugner. See, I don't know who else Tommy would want to go to that wouldn't he just he would treat like everybody else. You know what I mean? I think Tommy is more of a system guy. See, I think for me, this is I would take Styles off, right? And I would say No, I'll take it back. I'm gonna go Styles, Mayor. O-line and say that the quarterback really doesn't even matter. We're talking about like importance because neither quarterback is going to be successful if that O-line is not good. Well, me and you both know we trust the O-line is a better direction than going in the oh, absolutely. Year. So well, that's just a given. It's a given they're going to be better for Tyler, you know, next year than they were this year. So for Tyler, you're basically talking about RPO, explosive plays in the run game, because that opens up explosive plays for the running backs and for Tyler, and now RPO and play action for Lorenzo or for Michael Mayer. See, that's why I put – that's why the offensive line is so – offensive line might be number one based upon the parts. But it's, the offensive line is going to be there. It's, it's it, we're, we're never in a – we thought that last I year. We, I don't ever think we was in a position during the time I was there, even after up to this point, mm-hmm. where I felt like the reason we lost the game was because the O-line couldn't hold up. I think it always came down to our players not executing, specifically at the quarterback position. Right. Either – turn the ball over or just not showing up in general or coming out too flat. I think that having Tyler be, I think he can break that top 10 list. Cause come on, like two of those guys are recycled. You're talking about the top 10, top 10 quarterbacks. Yeah. He could definitely break that top 10, but if he can just get in that top five, we got a really good chance. 
of seeing more people and, and having a great chance of scoring a lot more points. The O-line is going to be there. I think everybody's going to be harsh on our O-line after that first game because they're going against a juggernaut. Yeah. But by mid-season, they're going to be like, oh, we've gotten so much better. They were always that good. We just went against a really good team. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. the difference of whether they're going to give the O-line praise or not in that first game is going to be the quarterback. Is Tyler going to make the third down plays with in the third quarter and the fourth quarter when we really need it? He's already good enough to survive the game. That's why he played last year, because he can just be thrown out there and can survive. But is Tyler going to convert in the horseshoe in the red zone, third and seven? The play, I believe the play call is going to give us a chance, but is he going to make the throw or is he going to run around? I mean, that's that's really what it comes down to. I think Tommy is good enough to give him a chance, maybe not 68 attempts in a game, but he's going to give him a probably a more heavy run than pass, which he's, his ass better be in shape for. Because when it comes down to them third and sixes after you done ran 40 yards and then, you know, whatever the case is, you got to make that throw. And that's what I hope we're not saying all season. You got to make that throw. Other than that, the kid's smart. He's talented enough to be better than average. So the O-line is going to stick and hold his back up. And can he make plays with those guys on the outside? Lucky Lefty Podcast. Malik Zaire, the original Lucky Lefty. I'm Sean Davis. We're talking about the explosiveness of the Notre Dame offense in 2022. How explosive can it be? Got a couple of super chats, bro. Lucas Chapman, we appreciate you. Thank you for the super chat. I think how the O-line and quarterback progress will really dictate how explosive this offense can be. And I think a key, like I keep saying, is identity. If Michael Mayer is our best offensive player, he needs he's got to touch the ball at least 10 times. Just on just just give it to him. As far as targets. Instead of scheming it up so much only because it's a production thing. A lot of times we stall because we got two cute plays that are open, yeah. but we just didn't hit them because we waiting too long or we holding on to the ball or a guy slips and falls. So it's too much synchronicity that you would require to execute the play instead of just saying, hey, Michael, Michael Mayer, run a five and out. Shit, get us, get us some extra yards. You know right. what I mean? Sometimes right. it's that simple. But that's what an identity looks like when you're looking at offense. That's why when you're trying to break down teams, that's how you break them down. You go, like, who was their best players and what do they try to do with them? When you look at us, it's like, okay, we just got to hold them off on the run and press them on third down play, man, we'll be all right. We got to change that part. And that part is going to be changed with the quarterback. Well, we can't just tee off because, you know, Tyler can take a shot downfield past 40 yards. You got to be aware of that. You know, they got styles running down the middle of the field. Yeah. We can't play too soft and just drop eight because, you know, the boy like to run around a lot. You know what I mean? So it's going to be that type of dynamic that is hopefully can give teams a different look on third down because right now it's just – it's, it's aggravating because everybody in the stadium knows what teams are running on third down. Facts. Cincinnati didn't change. They played man, press, third down. They had them two lockdown corners and said good luck. And then they up front was just more aggressive at that time. Right. That's just a bad, that's just a bad fit. You know, yeah. some teams are bad for like 
San Francisco was a bad fit for the Cowboys and it showed up. It's just they are perfectly fit to beat them. And that's just what it is. Yeah, and the Cowboys had Dak at quarterback. Oh man, cut it out. Cut it out. Cut it out. Another super chat, Demetrius Rex. I saw something about Caleb Williams being down at LSU and USC. How do you think Kelly would fare with Caleb? We saw the personal chat. I don't think the LSU was serious. However, if it was, I think he'll just be frustrated, you know, because it's you would never get a, a true – a true – is this what we're trying to do? You know, you're going to be stuck in this where are we at type of thing, you know. Who, like Who's the OC again, bro? Yeah, I don't even know the OC they got. So what Them development problem. is he – Oh my gosh, what development is he looking for? Oh my gosh, yeah. What development is he looking for? But it's like you on and off with a girl for so long, she's like, you know, what are we doing? You know? Yeah. So that's more of what I feel like he doesn't want, which makes USC look better. Either way, we're going to have to play him. You know what I mean? Either way, I think USC, you know, we're going to have to see him twice. LSU, we usually play LSU in the bowl game. I don't know how that happens all the time, but. You know, that usually comes up every three or four years. Well, LSU, not LSU, but USC is really in the birds. LSU really, I mean, USC has supreme leverage. Number one, because they have Lincoln Riley. Number two, because they have a ton of skilled players coming in over the next two classes, the next two cycles. And number three, they can sit back and wait. Yeah, he don't have to do much. He ain't USC. Hey, Jackson Dart didn't just transfer for nothing. Keaton Slovis is gone. I mean, you know, I think we all know what was coming. They know what's Caleb coming. Was just, Caleb been out here for like, feel like two, three weeks already. You know, if you yeah. watch his Instagram stories, he's been at all the Laker games. Like, it's like, dang, you, yep. we already know you're just picking out a little crib downtown, you know, so. Nice little condo. Downtown. Yeah, I, just, I just hope I just hope that because for USC this would be the most dynamic quarterback they've had in quite some time. Probably the one of the been a long time since they had a, a, a person with curly hair in that quarterback position. You yeah. Know? So and based upon what his father said, LSU just doesn't fit. Yeah, we already know LSU don't fit. He's gonna go to LSU. He might as well come to Notre Dame. At least you have a, a better chance. To, yeah, for real. I better have better defense. But um, yeah, I think that's clearly saying he's going to USC. <laughs> I think that's that goes without saying. Like, man, read the tea leaves. Just yeah, just get just get your get your scout report together, man. Don't even don't even worry about if he is or not. Right. Jason Buckhart, let's go Bengals from Northern Kentucky. Who they? Joey B. Joe Shiesty. Joseph B. Burrow. Do you think they really have a shot, bro? Against the Titans? Yeah. Ryan Tanner, who? Derrick Henry's coming back, though, supposedly. Man, listen. Ryan Tanner, who? He played a close game against the Raiders, bro. Ryan Tanner downhill. That's what I'm thinking. He played a close game against the Raiders, bro. Listen to me. Do you know who that number nine is? It ain't Carson. I will say this. I want Lorenzo Styles to become a Jamar Chase for Notre Dame. I know that. 
We don't we don't throw enough like that. But that's the problem. We need to. We need to. See, we we coming out of that bowl game. There's no reason to tell me that attempts and targets to the receivers and tight ends shouldn't be more than rushing attempts. That's a skewed. I think that's a very skewed prisoner at the moment, only because. Well, we know that we know that the offensive line can pass block better than run block right now. I'm talking about without seeing what Harry's done. Their pass blocking was very good in the Fiesta Bowl. Run blocking, well, Tommy really didn't give them an opportunity either. 68 attempts? Uh, Come on. People are not understanding. That's a lot of throws. Jack probably at Wisconsin didn't throw for 68 attempts in seven games. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, come on. Like, that's – you know what? That tape, that tape might get Jack into a uh, NFL. Yeah, Jack got a Senior Bowl invite because of that. Because right. of sixty-eight attempts against right. a good team, like come on, right? Five hundred yards. And I know that's what Tommy was doing. He was like, "Man, I'm gonna get Jack as close as I can." Listen, it was Jack Showcase. Win it or lose it, it's Jack Showcase. Because ain't nobody. Come on, I don't even think Brian Kelly would agree with that that game plan. Sixty-eight times. He probably called it off. What are you doing? <laughs> Take over so 44. First half points are huge. Great point, Sean. That is the difference of getting to the next level. Yeah, you have to get to that fast. That fast start is important. That's but we important. did that. You know, we did do that as a team in the Fiesta Bowl. We started off great. We hit the marks for the first half. I think because we're not used to that, it, it probably came back on us a little harder than we thought. Yeah, you know what? But it comes down to also playing to, and we'll get to this. According to Irish Breakdown, Brian Driscoll gave some great intel about the D.C. search, and it's down to four guys now. Derek Mason looks like he's going to replace Jim Knowles at Oklahoma State. That's the D.C. And it's about matching styles, right? So if you have an explosive offense, and we've seen – Nick Saban do this, not only change his style offensively, but then change his defense to match what his offense is doing. So he knows if his offense is more explosive and they're going to jump out on teams, that's more passes by the other team because they won't be able to just run the ball. So then you don't see a lot of Marcel Darius's and, and, and Mount Cody's at Alabama anymore at the tackle. I mean, oh no, them dudes, them suckers is big though. Yeah, they about they not three sixty <laughs> seventy, but they're about three twenty, and they can rush the passer. Yeah, yeah, you definitely. I mean, those are just two outlier. Them and Georgia are two outlier defensive lines because they really can do it all. Jordan Davis six seven pass oh, rushing. That, I mean, that's come on. <laughs> that's the only yeah, like that's the type of that's why you it's like man, you can't even count them. But I do think that uh gearing what we're doing towards I think it's just working reverse. I think we'll have to coach our offense based on our defense. And maybe that is more time of possession. Tommy gets more plays out of drives than which is probably what he wants. Probably want to get 10 play drives and be real controlled on the football because he knows he's gonna get chances. With a defense that I think is going to be pretty stingy. 
With all the linebackers we recruiting, we should be a pretty stingy defense. So, in, in my opinion, I think it's more game control, similar to Georgia style. I think we'll pass more, considering Tyler's a better quarterback. But, like I said, it's just so hard to tell once you didn't get to see him at all in the Fiesta Bowl. I think why I speak to that also is because I had a chance to do the Music City Bowl and after that game, gave me confidence going to that Texas game because I got to see it. So it's going to be interesting for Tyler to, I mean, get a shock like that at the shoe is something different. Lucky Lucky Podcast talking Notre Dame's offense 2022. How explosive can it be? So the question is really, is it really going to come from scheme or is it just going to come from the players making plays? Well, it's because of the scheme, it's going to require the players to make plays, but it's going to be a more collective uh, a group effort. So everybody from Avery Davis to even the freshmen that get in and get the ball have to understand that in your limited time of getting it, your ass better do something with it. You know, just be spreading the love. You know what I mean? Now right, it's different. Right, right. So the scheme is going to dictate that. However, right. if we were coaching the players – I'm like, every game, Michael Mayer, you got 10 chances in the first half to make something with it. We're giving you 10 targets, so there's 10 plays directly for you. We throwing you the ball. If not, we taking off and running. That would be my strategy for Tyler. Early on, especially uh, getting comfortable because he likes to run and they ask him to run a lot, I just be like, look, I'm going to say we're going to run a corner with Michael Mayer. If he's not there, look for your running back, Tyree, if not, take off and do that 10 plays on purpose Yeah, in the first half. And then you can call all the other stuff. You know, you can call whatever you want. But them 10 plays yeah. is going to be a play sheet of Chris Tyree, Michael Mayer, and Tyler Buckner plays. Just 10 of them, you call in the first half, make sure we get those in. Yeah, And then you go with whatever else. That's how I would do it. Now, Tommy, you know, he's probably going to coach scheme and – Got seven different receivers touching the ball, and we're getting a bunch of yards, but it makes it uh, for a non-experienced quarterback dicey because now on an important down, do I stick to the play or do I go to my guy? Yeah. So it's more decision-making than it is necessarily playmaking. All right, let's get to some of the uh, comments from LL Nation. DBZ says her three styles. Mayor Tyree. Yeah, I liked how they used Tyree in that first half. You know, he was able to get him on some swings. He did some special teams. He caught the ball. He ran the ball. So that's the capacity of what he has. I don't think he's an every down back, but he can get you a first down when you need it. He can Mm -hmm. get you some big plays when you want them. And he's a matchup problem out of the backfield. Peter Hall says, I'm in tapping in from Montgomery, Alabama, under the weather, so I get to watch a little live today. We appreciate you, Peter. Yeah, go ahead and get some medicine, Peter, man, with this good, this good info. Mike Russell says, Harry, he's staying return will make a difference for the old line. Oh, that's without a fact. He should have made right. a difference for the Bears, but I don't even want to get to that. Talk about how uh, out of source they are and the entire organization. I got Lucas Chapman, once again, you can almost guarantee that Buckner will automatically have two to three running <laughs> TDSs. 
touchdowns before the game even starts. See, but the thing is, though, is that Caleb and Tyler went together to through the Elite Eleven, and I mean, you know, they're they're not far in talent from each other. You see what I'm saying? They explain that again because you know we don't want you know people always try to say with a podcast that hates Tyler Buckley, you know, and we really were the only podcast, Notre Dame podcast, calling for Tyler Buckley to start early last year. So he wouldn't be going into the horseshoe with lack of extended, with a lack of experience. But exactly like you know. Caleb and Tyler went through Elite Eleven together. Yeah, they have a lot of similar talents. They're definitely very similar in 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 a lot of ways. I think that's where the difference of why fit is important for quarterbacks is because you would think Caleb and Tyler are on two different planets because of the way that they're used when I think Tyler in a not great fit because you're so used to a Jack Cone that he became a little bit indecisive because he's trying to do what Caleb is freely allowed to do. It's like if you a shooter and Steph Curry goes to like the Thunder, that offense is different than in the, the Warriors. So you're just not going to get out the same production. So it's really important that quarterbacks remember you got to go somewhere where the, the quarterback coach your offensive coordinator is giving you the freedom of your and use of your talents the right way i'm not saying tommy's not using the right way but yes i am because definitely should have had more of a development stage like caleb did to just i mean you're so young your first couple snaps just got to be make something happen you know, right right you're too worried about him Snapping the ball over the head or not knowing the play, that's not going like your first play is out. the primary is not open, I'm out. Yeah, like just that's easy. I mean, it's right. like the NFL, you're not technically getting paid, so it really don't even, you know. <laughs> but for you, for Tyler, I think it's important too, especially in that progression of what I noticed last year and what he needs to have better this year, is just really decision making and, and having the confidence in those decisions because it's going to work on his mechanics. Yeah. If he's in the pocket and he's out there looking around like, oh, guys ain't open, his feet get to moving all over the place, that's when balls eat the dirt and all types of stuff. Yeah. But if he's, if he's in, if he is in tune with the coordinator and he knows what's going to be called next, he's in tune with the preparation, he's been taking all the reps, then that third down against Virginia Tech, he's not rolling his ankle throwing a pick. You know, because he ain't scrambling. He boom, 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 or whatever the case is. So that's really the difference because he has the talent to get it done. He's a smart kid. Uh, so that's where the difference comes in. With Caleb, you see he going to where his coach is. You right. know, he's like, look, I, I respect Brett Venables, I guess, but he ain't calling my plays, you know. I'm going somebody I know, and that's why he's. I'm sure he's leaving to go there. So yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. No, sure. If you're if gonna give me the ball and give me the ultimate green light, I'm going there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't got the ultimate green light. Another super chat from my guy, Matt 2000 GT 2011 GT. Do you think Tyler will have a tendency to run too soon since that was what he was asked to do all last year? In other words, would this be a bad habit? I believe it'll be a bad habit. It's the Brandon Winbush syndrome. They get to thinking you can do some things and packages or running the ball, and then that becomes your marquee thing. And then when you start in full time, 
they rely on that and you don't develop the proper way to pass. Now everybody's saying you can't throw and when you throw, you're throwing picks. And right. so that they gave him the Brandon Wimbush mode. Hopefully, you know, Tommy's smarter about his development and his creativeness for his plays to where those RPOs are more effective. But he's Tyler Buckner's going to be judged on his conversions late games. That's just what Notre Dame football comes to every season. Yeah. It comes to one or two games. How are you converting on offense late games? Are we stalling like we usually do where we can't get enough points in the game to be competitive? Or are we going to change that? Are we going to hit those markers of 25 for first half, 38, 39 range? Because that's what the teams that are winning it all do. So can Tyler Buckner be a three or four point difference on a football team that's ready to take that next step? I mean, us calling Keaton Slovis ain't convinced. <laughs> In the middle of his set, like, yo. The, we couldn't, it, it couldn't be that thirsty. Like, let us just, you yeah. know, I don't have problems calling him, but don't be the, you know, the man don't bragging. The like, I, had these, I had these fools calling me as soon as I hit the port. Right. Talking about why? <laughs> Two workers, thank you. Day one for tagging in, tapping in today. Thanks for the show. And you guys do, and all you do for Indy Nation, you make my everyday, you make every day better. Matter of fact, we playing him too, aren't we? We playing Pitt next year? Yes. <laughs> so yes. we got Caleb Keaton, CJ. It's the toughest schedule yes. of all Notre Dame past 12 years, for sure. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Thank you for the super chat. Speaking of the 49ers, we need a Montana Clark kind of chemistry. Well, I mean, TB's roommate is Lorenzo Style, so. That's it. And it That's was good to see, you know, this is the first week of training. It was good to see Tyler Buckner front and center. Right in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, because right? yeah, nobody else is going to do it. Right. That's just not the culture at Notre Dame where you just got a bunch of, you know, guys like that. So for him to do that is a great first step. Man, we have some uh, – Ozzie Max disagrees with you. Titans don't have a chance. Bengals gonna move the ball in style. You watch Cincy twenty four, Titans fourteen. He agrees with you. I mean, Cincy's a cooler team, so of course they have to advance. They're cool. You know, they just way more fun to watch than some Titans. You know, Derrick Henry ain't played in a while, so them hits gonna hurt a little bit. <laughs> For who? Him or the linebackers? Both. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Krusich. Krusich. Thank you for tapping in with us. Malik, can you speak on Tyler's mechanics and what needs to change for him to be able to make those type throws on key third downs? It's all about decision-making and confidence in what you're doing. If you know that you got a play call that you and Tom have been talking about all week on specific situations and you come up on that situation and you and you got to trust that it's going to be there. That's just yeah. what it comes down to because we don't really have to talk you can talk mechanics, but I think mechanics comes through being indecisive. I've never seen somebody be decisive and, and truly miss on the throw unless you just are a Tim Tebow or whatever, where you just have flaws in your mechanics. But ever since Phillip Rivers played 18 years in the league, mechanics is whatever. But Phillip Rivers knows where the ball is supposed to be. So 
Yeah. However ugly it is, yeah. he's going to give him a chance. And that's all we ask in Tyler in that first year. Give your guys a chance. We're not asking you to be Superman, even though it may take some some slight some slight Batman work to get it done. But shit, that's why you was a, a highly rated recruit and you had Notre Dame. Yep. Thank you for the super chat, MW Junior seventy two. Thank you for the super chat again. And a question: If Caleb eliminated Notre Dame due to lack of quarterback prep for the next level, but is now looking at Kelly. Were his words an indictment of Reeds? Still have my concerns about Reeds as OC and QB coach. Yeah, I mean, you know, everybody has concerns because we didn't win the Fiesta Bowl. So that's an easy little hanging fruit to point out. I do think that uh he's he he knows where he's at on <laughs> in the message boards and on the hot seat. He knows that there's pressure. He'll probably tell you he don't care. But it's important that uh, he's in tune with his quarterback. That's all that I would want to see. You know, I think it's just too much scheming and too many late nights you got to spend taking time to have a plan for Jack and then have a plan for Tyler. Yeah. So I do think that he can sleep easier at night knowing his quarterback from the first day to the first game. And it'll be good to see that development chemistry happen because I really do think once Tyler gets more comfortable, he can just start developing his touch. I told you way back when we first started talking about him, he's a one-level thrower. You know, you would think he's a, a baseball pitcher because he's throwing one speed all the time. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, it's because he has an impressive arm. You know I mean? He can throw it hard like Brett Favre and all those guys. But as you develop as a quarterback, as a starter, you know, okay, I can't just, just zoom everything. Right. You know, so hopefully that touch develops, but it takes time. You know, I don't think he's like I said. I do not think he's going to go in this Ohio State game and throw for no 300, 400 yards. I do not think so. I mean, if he does, then shit, we gonna win the championship. <laughs> yeah, he does that. It's like okay, it's gonna be real serious. Like okay, this might be yeah. I'm, I'm I'm locked in. I'm I'm getting my, my Buckner and Heisman stuff together. Yeah. Lilo Galante, thank you for the super chat. My question is about the team's winning edge mentality. Should we adapt that saving strategy of bringing in motivational speakers at least once a month, along with Freeman's psychological coaching of winning? Go Irish. Well, Freeman got it in the bag right now. I mean, he's got the team in the right state of mind especially from a get better and where they gotta go i think teams before didn't really know where to go we just knew that we kept getting stopped at the door i think we see the 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 party in the backyard so we want to go through the front door now we got we got a destination so i think marcus freeman does a great job of directing that now sustaining that is going to have to be come through wins that's just how it happens you know i don't think any of that can stick with him, especially the severity of where he, of where it comes from when he talks. That if he don't win, it's just not gonna it's not gonna stick. You know, you know us. We gotta win twice. We gotta win two games in one damn near to, to get the monkey off your back. So yeah, it'll be great to see uh, how the team responds to that challenge. I think they all kind of understand where they are with that, and so it's gonna translate hopefully through this spring and summer. John Jones, thank you for tapping in. Hey, guys, who you all think will be a complimentary wide receiver or wide receivers to Styles and Mayer? 
Hopefully, Lindsay. I think Lindsay did enough right. apologizing, right. enough crying on the internet to where he's going to get in his bag. Avery Davis. Avery Davis. Yeah, all them. All them all, everybody coming back. Jay Thomas, Beyond Everybody. Yeah, I'm expecting everybody coming back to be 20 times better. Right. Because if not, then that's just, it just. Because you know. should be open. <laughs> first of all, if you know how to get off bump and run, Chancey Stucky, that's your first job. You know technique, right? The entire game is either running into zone and wide open areas or beating one-on-one coverage. That's it. Because the Bears style. He got the speed, so that's yes. not even the good. And you know Tyler gonna throw it. You know, he can throw a little farther than Jack. So right. can you beat one-on-one? That's your whole mission. And that's why the offensive line impacts everything. Because if the O-line is putting in work and the running game is working and you're still trying to take away Mayer, you can't put eight in the box. You can't. You can't. So it goes hand in hand. So now you got six, seven in the box. You spread them out. Two safeties back. So now crossing routes, posts, spinning slants, all of that. And and then when it gets down to you get Audrey Estimate time. That's my guy. He gonna he gonna clean up. That's the cleanup guy. I got drunk Vigo. He's on something each and every show. I love drunk Vigo. Says Tommy needs to put his big boy pants on. Cause he don't have a, he don't have a choice at this point. No, the spotlight. We've been saying the spotlight is on him. The, the, shit getting, is the, on the kitchen him. is getting hot. You know, the kitchen getting real hot. So you gotta you gotta be on your p's and q's. Todd Epps, thanks for tapping in. Say I dropped the phone. Love this podcast. I hope it works till I get caught up on episodes. Missed the show for about a week. It was a long week. We appreciate you. Yeah, man. Come back. We're we going to be here five days. Watch that. What's good, Pete? Notice Buckner throws the same ball regardless of distance. A sign that Tommy Reese is developing him would be different touch on the ball depending on the type of throw. Absolutely, Pete. You know he throw, You know he out there throwing heaters. And that's just a young quarterback thing. You know, some come out of it. Some don't come out of it. I think the ones that get to New York, they come out of it. You watch a Bryce Young, a C.J. Stroud, all those guys, they, they put in touch on the ball. They understand the different levels of throws, the three levels of throws. Yeah, I think Tyler enjoys the level he's throwing it because it's been working all this time, which I think is what it'll come through and practice and getting ready for the game, he'll see that, okay, if I throw it like this, either he catches it or I'll make it a tackle because that's it's only going to be perfect in one place. So the more he can realize that not every throw got to be perfect, you just got to give him a chance, I think that'll come through time, but we'll see what happens. Charlie, Charlie Weiss's last belt loop, thank you for the super chat. Serious question, if Indy strikes out with quarterbacks in the 2023 class, with the four big names on the board, is it time for Tommy to go? What is the solution? Us not getting a, a great quarterback in the 23 class is an indictment, of course, on the offense and whoever's recruiting that position. Because how? At that point, by 2023, 24, we should be top three in in the country or some somewhere in the top five. That's- Man, you can't be a top five team continuously without no quarter. I just don't. How? How is it possible we can't get no quarterback we top five in the country? 
how. So if I'm Marcus Freeman, I'm like, look, I don't even coach offense, so I'm looking to get people up through if they're not getting the guys. I mean, come yeah. on. Why do you not? But that's anywhere. It should be like that for anywhere. I don't think the teams that are successful every year go through stuff like that. I mean, I think, if anything, Clemson just missed on the guy, but he was right. still a five-star. I mean, the man had a million followers where he got to I mean, college. So at least they got a guy that wasn't what they thought. We getting guys with hopefully he can be. <laughs> That's just two different, two different ways. Yeah. Uh, Lucas Chapman said, unfortunately, I think our offense needs to be possession-minded until our defense's secondary proves themselves. I, I disagree with that. I think it's flipped. I think we need to score more points because of – I would agree with that if our defense was better against the run game. Yeah. Like the last two years, we've given up 113 and 135 yards per game. Running up, that's, and that's not, just that's two, not that's good just enough. Not, yeah, that's not championship. That's not good enough. Football. And that's why I said the defensive line is under a spotlight for me this year too. Like everybody's coming back. Isaiah Foskey's back. Everybody's happy. We got to get under. We got to get under eighty. We got to get under eighty. You have to to be because a championship defense. A hundred plus is you a balanced offense. That's a balanced day. You 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 eating up clock. You gaining first downs. I mean, that's a lot to be giving up. So if you're going possession and you're not scoring, you're not highly effective or efficient in the red zone getting touchdowns, and you're just getting field goals, and then teams are coming out. And tiring you out, putting up 113, 150 yards on the ground, that's you don't, you don't stand a chance. No, you and then that's you know, play action. Play action. the play action is going to kill your DBs. And then you're getting one sack a game, right? That's that's definitely not going to work. So I I think based upon the history, because I don't see a jump. Now I'll get this happens. Oklahoma State in 2020. Gave up 160 yards per game on the ground. They made a huge jump of almost 80 yards. They gave they gave up 84 yards per game on the ground in 2021. Like that, that's it tells the story. It tells the story. Now, if Notre Dame can get to about 90, we'll be all right. We'll be all right. And then I'm cool doing a possession game. But if you're giving up 135 and you're not getting possessions, then you need to be explosive. Or you need to be picks or turnovers need to be Man. crazy. All of that. We have to find a way to play complementary football. I think because of the style of defense, we're giving up runs. I think it has to be limited in one way, either one-dimensionally. But with the recruit linebackers, the running game is going to be solid for me. I think we make that up and we yeah. made it up already in recruiting. Yeah. The Prince Collies, Jalen Sneeds, the Drakes, the, you know, the safety involvement. I think we're going to be good on a tackling standpoint, which yeah. will make the, the runs less because a lot of the times we're there but we missing tackles, getting arm and leg tackles broken like, hey, bring the guy down. Yeah, 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 so the talent is going to increase that linebacker, so the rushing is going to decrease because we smacking shit. You know, we got yeah, guys. So in his defense, the linebacker is going to be the key, the linebackers and the safeties, exactly. right? Because he wants guys to get upfield, cause havoc, get tackles for loss on the defensive line, and then those linebackers have to properly feel 
run sideline to sideline and make the plays when they're in a position to make the plays. Because I think Isaiah Fowski is going to play better with better linebacker play. I don't think Isaiah Fowski can change life as an individual player, as controversial as that sounds. I think he can be a great productive player. Yeah. But when you think about even the Fiesta Bowl, he's had, what, 14 sacks on the season, and the sack he had came in the first possession. Yep. So, yep. yeah, you're going to be productive, but you're not game-changing. You know, if the sack came – Fourth quarter when you only got one, like for instance, Von Miller against Baltimore a few weeks back. Yeah, it was two minutes left in the game. Baltimore going to score. You haven't seen Von Miller all day. Third down, he gets the game winning sack. Right, that's what you get him for. <laughs> he didn't do nothing on both sides of the ball. You can scheme all you want to early. You got a full okay. week to scheme. That's so right. Yeah, you can scheme teams in the first half and be explosive. When it gets to that second half and everybody makes adjustments, God darn it, the, your best players have to make plays. Exactly. Your players exactly. have to make plays. That's what it came. It came down to that in the Fiesta Bowl. Your players. Yeah, have to make plays. y'all too. Y'all too good on the scheme. You know, JD Bertrand said it. They coach said it. Uh, 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 Raheem Moore said it. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying they, the scheme good. We do our job as the coach. They get paid that money because they do their job. Right. Now, the other part. When the scheme goes out the window, just like when you have a game plan, you get punched in the mouth. Right. What are you going? It's player versus player. Right. Right. One possession game on uh, game six, and you saw yeah. Michael Jordan up top with fifteen seconds. There is no scheme, dog. There is no scheme. It's good luck, Garden. Ain't no scheme. Ain't no scheme. Either he makes or misses. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's what it could make. Are you gonna? Complete the, the pass or not. Like two of Devontae Smith's life changed for Alabama. Alabama changed, college football changed because they executed when they needed to. Right. Tua wasn't supposed to play that game. That was Jalen Hurts' game. Right. Tua got in and said, I got one chance. Devontae Smith said, I got one chance. And they made yeah. it happen. Second and 26. Stick in the circumstances. <laughs> Overtime, second and 26. Yeah, come on. Make a play. Make a play. Same as like I can't coach. I'm the greatest coach of all time. And I I have nothing for this. Y'all gotta. I recruited y'all to do this for me. Period. So let's see. Uh, I know we have another super chat. I want to make sure I don't want to miss it. Man, let's see. They talk about Joes and pros. We need Joes and dudes. We need, we need dudes. <laughs> We got enough pros. We need dudes. We need Joes and dudes. We have Joes and pros. Dude, second half is all about playmakers, man. Yeah, we need Joes and dudes. They players made plays. Stetson Bennett made a play. Brock Bowers made a play. The running backs were getting four yards a clip, which meant the offensive line stepped running up. Hard. Made plays. Running hard. Yo, before, what, two plays before? The game, uh, the game breaking interception that Brooks took it to what fourteen points. Ja'Cory Brooks dropped a pass on the four yard line. Yeah, that was a dime, 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 dime. He didn't make the play. It was there. He didn't make the play. The game scheme was there. The play wasn't there. Scheme was there. He, you seen? And I mean. Richard, 
he dropped it down, and then he hit the corner too. Right. And Bryce Young was getting hit after he threw the ball. Like quarterback mm-hmm. made the play, wide receiver has to make the play. And that's why Bryce was in New York. Here. Let's see. So, man, let's let's go ahead and switch over. The uh, as I said before, I kind of teased it. Iris breakdown talked about it, so you can see it on the message board. Uh, the four finalists for the DC job, and this goes back. And Brian reiterated what we've been saying all week. Marcus Freeman has prioritized going and getting great players over filling the coaching position. He's that's why he's hit the recruiting trail as hard as he's hit with the rest of the staff. And going out, he's giving out offers in twenty two. He's giving out offers in twenty three. He's just giving an offer to a freshman quarterback in Detroit. Like, yo, he's scouring the nation for every class for the next three years to make sure the best talent gets to Notre Dame. So the four finalists are Houston's defensive defensive coordinator, Doug Belt, uh, defensive coordinator at Boston College, Tim Bukaba, Joe Rossi, D.C. at Minnesota, and Al Golden, who's coaching the linebackers at Cincinnati. Uh, Doug Belt, uh, Lukaba, and Golden, all of those guys have, um, I think Belk is the only one that extensively teaches defensive backs. So he would kind of be in the same architect or archetype as Nick Saban as a DC, being over the defense and teaching DBs in a sense or having that knowledge. Everybody else, their specialty is teaching linebackers. So that just gives you a breakdown. And for me, I'm leaning towards Bukaba. I know a lot of people like Belk because Houston was a heavy turnover team the last two years. They created havoc. They had great defensive backs, and they had one of the best third-down percentages of getting off the field. So that might be the type of complimentary football that Marcus Freeman is looking for for his defense, and they were a smallish defense along the front. So you have to remember that. Al Golden, for me, that's like a last, that's like a fail safe. Yeah. Towards Tim Bukala because yeah. he has NFL experience. He can bring that. And also, Boston College went from like in the hundreds defensively, came all the way down to the 30s from him just showing up. And I wouldn't say that they have elite talent right. on their defense. So I like what I see. He would be my number one pick. I would go Doug Belt two, Joe Rossi three, Al Golden four. I think that's a great lineup. I just think, like you said, it's who's the complementary to what Marcus and his ideology, what he's building, because you got to coach to the scheme of the players. You know, you go on talent first. So what's the talent fit with what you do best? And I think it also has to address, like you said, the things that we were uh, – we were challenged that yeah. you know if we can't get the d line that we may want right now but maybe in the future can we have a scheme that cuts that rushing total in half if a guy is specified at that if it could just take one thing to make us better i think that's a bigger benefit than the guy that's just coming in trying to reestablish what he had somewhere else and you know i see this in the chat and i totally agree the notre dame defense held his team down the entire year and as bad as they got 
for the third and half of the fourth quarter. It was the Notre Dame defense that made the plays in the fourth quarter to put Notre Dame in position to win that game in the yep. Fiesta Bowl. That's right. Right? That's right. So you guys have to step up. Foskey stepped up. Like, that was all him. That wasn't scheme. That was him catching a guy, playing the RPO, playing the quarterback, running to the running back, or uh, running the Sanders, playing both, running the Sanders, stripping them. That's why he's a first-round talent, though. That's why he's first-round talent. You need you know, your first-round 14 guys. stacks in this season. That's a great player. Absolutely. Your best guys have to be able to make plays in crunch time in football games to win. It's as simple as that. Let's see if it's another super chat that I missed. Somebody is asking about Jerome Bettis is on campus, of course, finishing up his degree. And I'm sure he's going to be coming to practices. I'm, I'm pretty sure of that. There's no way he's going to be around campus and not be at practice or workouts. Yeah, he's going he's gonna to have to show his face at some point just in just yeah. support for the new coach. And I think he still has a huge pool just with the, the fanfare of Notre Dame because he's, he's done so much for us and Vice versa, I think it's important for kids to see it, but are kids still in tune with the bus, or is he kind of out of the newer generation of players? He's Even after retirement, he still was in the limelight because the NFL always found a way to put him in a commercial. You think think a Jalen Sneed would go crazy if he see Jerome Bettis in there, or would he go crazy if he saw like a Khalid Kareem? Shout out Khalid. I think, you know what, man, I think we do – these young kids are disservice because I think they know a little bit more than we give them credit. Uh, they may know, but I'm saying the excitement. Like, I remember, you know, for instance, working out with Brady Quinn when I was at Notre Dame, being a quarterback, getting a chance to work out with him. He was still in the league. And yeah, being that he has such a huge impact at Notre Dame, us working out just one-on-one was cool. You know, I was pumped up. You know, I don't know if, you know, I would say the same for, you know, I can't speak for him, but are they excited? Like, would, would Tyler Buckner be excited if Jimmy Clausen was like, yo, let's throw or something? You know, I don't know. So right, right. maybe maybe some kids – these kids just ain't impressed by a lot, in my opinion. I've seen it out here with kids just not impressed by stuff that I was impressed by, but maybe that's just – there's a lot of options out here these days. You know what? Heck, I was pretty much being impressed by anybody. I'm impressed by high school kids, bro. That's just how much I love sports in general. If I see a dope dude in high school, I'm like, yo. Like I said, I tell you all the time. I remember watching Derrick Rose as a sophomore. I remember watching uh, Jabari Parker as a freshman. It's like when I see guys, even before they get big, like that's a moment for me. That's a yeah, moment I mean, me. so, that's huge. Yo, if I ran into Jerome Bettis, I know I would be like, yo, that's the bus, man. I would too. That's how I'm like, I don't, I don't <laughs> that's know. The bus. <laughs> that's the bus. That's the bus. That's the bus. Right, come on. This guy's great. I would feel the same way if I ran into Kyron on the street, though. I would, you know, but that's, I mean, it's just different. It's just different times, but I feel like I respect people's game enough to be excited to be like, oh, what's up? I told you. I don't know. Everybody different, I guess. Juan Lazada says, uh, what do you think about Senate TB12 and Jordan Palmer? <laughs> I mean, I guess. I mean, you know. 
There's some other guys that you. you Jordan Palmer's not going to come to you to you first round anyway. So, you know. Dude, just, just call Malik. He's yeah, call your boy. boy. Your boy going to set you straight. Now, the thing is, I, I did send some stuff over to Tyler before he got Notre Dame around the time he was in the Elite 11 just because I knew he was going. And I always had the door open for him to ask anything or if he needed any help. But. You know how that go when you when you on the on the high rise, you're a young Thundercat, you just want to keep going forward. And I get that because I'm the same way. Facts. You know what time it is. It's time to get petty. Oh, we did a good job executing. Are you upset with something? And fire up the Petticoat Junction train. I just don't like you. You don't? No. What is today's Petty Historic Petty Junction? up i saw my guy mike russell in the chat i didn't get a chance to bring up his chat he said i l l i n i bro what's goody long time looking forward to catching up with you thanks for tagging in today uh we have another super chat but this is petty junction the pettiest story of the day each and every day yo you know what it is that that pity hard away <laughs> bro you gotta you gotta help i don't know I don't know who was petty in this. You know what I'm saying? So, like Malik said, let's go. Uh, <laughs> and she can get this done. At Memphis? Yeah. In the first half like that, when it's unfolding, is there? Is it embarrassing? And I think the one thing I can say to this media, because this media gets kind of fucked up sometimes when it comes to me, <laughs> we don't have our full roster. Y'all know we don't have our full roster. Stop asking me stupid fucking questions about if I feel like I can yeah. do something. If I had my roster like they did, then I feel like I can do whatever I want to do. I'm coaching really hard. My boys are playing really hard. I'm not embarrassed about nothing. We have four freshmen starting. Y'all need to act like it. Act like we got 17, 18, and 19-year-olds out here trying to learn how to play against 22, 23, and 24-year-old guys. Come on, man. Stop disrespecting me, bro. Like, don't do that. I work too fucking hard. I work way too hard for that. Y'all write all these bullshit articles about me, and all I do is work. We got young kids on the floor. They got young kids on the floor. Bro. Yeah. Hey, man. Y'all write these articles, and I just work. That's, so, that's summed it up. So Y'all write these articles while I work. See, we talk about this all the time. Got to <laughs> ask the question, immediately ran to Twitter, looking for somebody to rub his back and pat him on the back. Like, that was a fair question, right? Like, dude, first of all, stop. Like, yeah. if you know, if you're going to cover any sport, you have to have general knowledge of the sport. You have to know the injuries that have taken place from Memphis. You have to know that a money base and Jalen Duran, their two star freshmen, should Are be in high school right now. Yeah, should be in high school right now. Like, dude, yeah. no, no, this is like a new age. This reclassification and all of that stuff. Guys are reclassifying. These are babies. But they're not becoming stars after reclassifying. They're, cut, they're trying to get to the bag quicker. That's all. They're trying to get to the bag a year quicker. Some guys reclassify and go straight to the G League. 
You know, it's a kid in uh, Kentucky right now just qualified to go to the G League after sitting the first half of the season. That's what Number I'm saying. Two like the gotta, so that's how you going to play for Kentucky in the second half of the season or go to the G League. And, no. and they playing against guys that are nice too now. And like yeah, the these seventeen year olds are way better than these twenty. These twenty year olds be wanting to be LeBron too, bro. <laughs> so that's my whole thing. Like if you've been around the team and you know the situation, don't ask a question like that. Like you don't know ask a general is. question like that, where it's like, what do you mean? He you asked know, you the man, "Are you embarrassed?" Like what coach is going to say he's embarrassed? Embarrassed by what? I mean, like, by what? What? What am I embarrassed by? What? What? Do you think he's gonna get the job done at Memphis? Come on, man. Don't how long did it take Coach K? Coach K almost got fired before yeah. he finally got the program right and ended up winning national championships. I just think not dude, there's a lot more rope given to certain segment of coaches than other coaches. That's all I'm gonna say. We just saw Kevin Ollie win how much. 11.5 because they fired him too early. They and, he won a, and he won a national championship. Yeah, it's like, how y'all jump the gun that fast? Y'all he ain't won a national championship. And they fired him without cause. And Kevin, Kevin Ollie hit him for the bag. Well deserved. It took three years have. to get the bag. It took right. three years. But that's a long time that you don't have me simmering, upset. Crazy. So, you know, you get fired for winning. You get fired for... Uh, everything you feel like, you know. So, when, if winning ain't good enough to coach, once again, God, once again, Penny Hardaway. I just had to hear it a second time, bro. Have you ever lost faith that she can get this done at Memphis? Yeah, in the first half like that, when it's unfolding, is there? Is it embarrassing? And I think the one thing I can say to this media, because this media gets kind of fucked up sometimes when it comes to me. We don't have our full roster. Y'all know we don't have our full roster. Stop asking me stupid fucking questions about if I feel like I can do something. <laughs> if I had my roster like they did, then I feel like I can do whatever I want to do. I'm coaching really hard. My boys are playing really hard. I'm not embarrassed about nothing. We have four freshmen starting. Y'all need to act like it. Act like we got 17, 18, 19-year-olds out here trying to learn how to play against 22, 23, and 24-year-old guys. Come on, man. Stop disrespecting me, bro. Like, don't do that. I work too fucking hard. I work way too hard for that. Y'all write all these bullshit articles about me, and all I do is work. We got young kids on the floor. They got young kids on the floor. Yo, Chet Holmgren is at Gonzaga. The only difference is he has a guy that came in third for player of the year next to him from yeah. last year and a guy that made the all-tournament team. Yeah, Chet. Yeah, Chet. Yeah, right. so Chet, Chet is a role player. A star player is going to the league. But he's a role player in Gazaga because they have two players that are key to offense and key to team. He yeah. doesn't have to lead. Chet just, Chet just playing his role. He ain't really. Imani Bates and Jalen Duran got to play everything. Yo, kudos to Penny. Because what he really wanted to say, he kept it. He kept it about as PC as he could. He kept. He still wanted to make his point, but he kept it PC. Because what he really wanted to say is, yo, MF. Let me tell you something, man. Straight Stop up. with this BS. I know what you're trying to do. You yeah. know what's going on. You're in practice every day. You're around the program. Like, stop, dude. Stop. Hey, you know, uh, Stop. <laughs> you know he would have got fined if he was the NBA talking that shit. 
Yo. But the thing too is that this is where well, I understand and a guy like Coach Kelly. Today. This is where I get a guy like understand a guy like Coach Kelly where he got a tight lip on that media, man. You be like, because they wasn't asked, like think about Coach Kelly's progression through the media. They was asking him about getting mad and taking anger management classes and all this stuff. And after a while, you stop hearing them questions. Yeah, you stop getting access. You would have never heard a question like that. Never, never. never. That's what I'll be worried for Marcus Freeman, man. We can't go in Ohio State and, and get it very To keep it a buck and put the Notre Dame media on notice. You should have done a better job of going after Jeff Quinn last year instead of being sneaky and trying to ask questions and nitpick about the defense. Brian Kelly don't know a darn thing about defense, but every game y'all trying to nitpick about the defense and have zero to say about Jeff Quinn. We're watching this offensive line suffer every week, and you have nothing to say. But here we go. We got a nitpick about a play in the third quarter when Notre Dame was winning the game because of the defense. We want to nitpick about plays in the third and fourth quarter. That's that's what you got from the local media last year. And that's why we got our own Lucky Lucky podcast because we're going to drop them, them truth bombs. It's crazy. We got another yeah, super chat before we get out of here, bro. I hate being a stalker on Twitter, but I just got it and can't help it. Is there a reason Drake Bowen and that class are the only guys reaching out to the Carnells of the world? Shouldn't Tyler at least be trying? Well, no. I, I think you're definitely behind because Tyler just went to see the kid. Oh, you're talking about Tyler Buckner. Yeah, I'm like, no, Tyler I, Buckner I, I, should I, not. I read that as Tommy, my fault. Tyler should not be <laughs> because Tyler's whole focus should be on guys that are on the team. That's yeah, he should not be trying. If they come up to school and, you know, they walk past the film room, which he should be in. And Drew and has they, a better personality from what, I, from what I've seen. Yeah, I mean, everybody loves Drew. We know that. You know, I'm, it, and Drew it has, his, has his place on the team. That's why they love him so much. You yeah, know what and, I mean? I think, and Carnell told know, us that's who he talked to. And Tyler would develop. I don't know if he's in a, such a – a Drew in the personality. He's got his own way about it, maybe like an Eli Manning type of leadership, but either way it goes. His focus, he knows what he needs to be on recruiting, let the recruiters recruit, and let Marcus do his thing, and, he gonna, and we're going to be all right. He's going to worry about the guys that get up there. Man, he asked that man, can he get the job done, bro? Like, I, dude, I got to put Penny on there because – Kenny had to hit him that hard. They probably because it probably wasn't the first time though. Yeah, you know, you're right. Kenny was being a little petty, but at the same time, don't be trying my dog. That Penny question, like that, man. That question was mad petty, bogus, mad petty. Especially if you're covering the team, like you, you already know. Yeah, you asking like you, you not with us. But see, that's the problem when you get like the Fab Five. People expect four freshmen to be able to do like nothing should change. Yeah. Like you should be able to coach them up, right? Like I had a debate on Twitter with this dude yesterday. This dude told me Notre Dame needs to do a better job at, at, at depth at key positions. And I said, well, what do you mean? He was like, like Alabama was able to uh, 
cover up for their wide receivers. I said, when? I said, not in the national championship game. Now, them boys were young, 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 young. And he brought up Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. I said, yeah, that's cool. But what about in the Big Ten championship when they played Northwestern? And Olave was out, and Gary Wilson was coming back, rushed back from injury. Northwestern had things on lock, too. Dude, there are rare. You can't find teams that can lose their two top two receivers and get the same production. And keep losing. They yeah. kept losing guys. It, it does not happen. So don't forget, go over. For the Culture Friday, don't forget, go over to the YouTube channel. Look up our post and tag your vote. Who is the greatest female MC of all time? What you bumping this weekend, bro? For the culture. For the culture. Man, I am bumping. Let me check this real quick. I'm checking this weekend. I just downloaded it too. So I can say, yeah, go ahead. So actually, I'm bumping that. Sorry for the wait. That Lil Wayne, it just dropped back on Apple Music and it just brought back all the memories. <laughs> That's sorry for the wait. It was a good time in college, man. Yo, so I really have fallen in love with <laughs> Mary dropped this joint with Dave East. That's fine. You like Dave East? Huh? You like Dave East? I respect him. Okay. Yeah, I respect anybody that hustles, bro. Yeah, I mean that's that's fair. And his game and how he translated, he didn't just stay with rap. He but he used that to transition over to acting. I always respect that. Yeah, he did slide on some acting. Yeah, Ooh. a dude is not he's not stuck on trying to be the greatest MC. He's not. And I'm definitely gonna be checking out that new Big Crit. Now people are underrated on Big Crit. Big Crit puts out great albums, man. He's more of a southern rapper, but I like his sound, you know, that, that southern twang to it. Is, it he, he puts it together. And he got some smooth beats, you know. It's not just all 808s and bass, you know. He got some some great smooth beats as well. So, so Indy Nation, our last thing we want to say to you guys going into the weekend, when it comes to the transfer portal, relax. Oh, yeah, 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 I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah. It's an important announcement. Y'all watch that bad fella like you waiting on the lottery numbers at four o'clock. I swear. Man, relax. Notre Dame cannot grab everybody that jumps into the portal, man. No, we do not want JT. We don't want, yeah, first of all, we don't want most of them that's in there. You know, we when we highlighted guys, it was guys that, without a doubt, Brandon Rice, I told us, I told y'all about Brandon Rice, where'd he go? USC. Caleb, I told y'all about Caleb, where'd he go? USC. Jermaine Burton left Alabama. Where'd he go? Georgia. Elias Riggs, where he left? He left LSU to go to Alabama. So it's like, those are the guys I wanted. These little, <laughs> you know, these these other guys, listen, and they the wouldn't Burton make it. I get. I get the Burton kid. You know why? The Burton kid is thinking about his career. Yeah. So everybody's like, yo, why would he leave Georgia and go to Alabama? Duh, it's Bryce Young. Bryce Young, Stetson Bennett. He's like, bro, y'all threw the ball four times in the fourth quarter. What am right. I talking about? What are we doing? Right. He's like, man, let me go get my numbers up so I can get a look in the league. Straight up. And so this you is know what? Game, that's that's actually dope move. He has his national championship. 
He like, I'm trying to go for me now. Now I'm going for grab an NIL or something on the way. Right. Right. A girl DBZ says she is bumping some old, some some solid gold olders. That's right. Some rhapsody just because it's her birthday. Definitely bumps of rhapsody. I got up on her through through Kendrick, of course. Of course, of course, of course. That's how it happened for me, too. Yeah. So bump some Rhapsody today. Happy birthday to the queen. Rhapsody out there. So from my guy, Malik Zaire, don't forget, we're brought to you and featuring Anora Whiskey. Go to AnoraWhiskey.com, that premium American whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. If you're around the South Bend area, go search it out. It's somewhere in a store near you, Anora Whiskey. Go get you some. Or go to anorwhiskey.com and just order it. Won't take long. It'll get to you, anorwhiskey.com. So, everybody, have a great weekend. And always subscribe, share, like. Subscribe, share, like. And we're also available on Apple Podcasts at A2S Network, A2S Network. So, for the original Lucky Lucky himself, Malik Zaire, I'm Sean Davis at SD2 Mics. We tell you always, spin it different. Have a great weekend. See you Monday, 9 a.m.